Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast. You are listening to another position preview podcast. We have Greg Barnes and Jason Staples from Inside Carolina, and I'm Ross Martin. Today, we are getting into the secondary with cornerbacks and nickelbacks, a very talented group. Let's run through it right now with a depth chart at cornerback for UNC. You have Storm Duck coming back from an injury. You have Kyle McMichael the Clemson transfer, who was a starter last season. You have Tony Grimes for his sophomore season. You have Day-Day Hollins. And then behind that group of four, you have Obi Igbuna, I think he's entering his junior season, and then some freshmen in Dante Balfour and Tamir Brown and also uh, Javon, Terry. Javon Terry. So, Greg, you look at this group. I mean, I think it's one of the more talented groups of cornerbacks, group of cornerbacks in the nation with, with Duck, McMichael, and Grimes and the experience of Hollins. Um, I think the talking point is how to get those three guys on the field at the same time. They're all kind of in that six foot, six one range, over 200 pounds, and have proven to be uh, quality cornerbacks. Greg, when you look at this group, what are some things that uh, you take note of in your takes on UNC's cornerbacks for the 2021 season? Well, the first thing I'll say is this even beyond those guys, is you look at a guy like Day Day Hollins. Um, because of the mass amount of injuries that UNC had last couple of years, he is the guy who went from getting probably you wasn't expected to get any reps whatsoever, but because of those injuries, he got a lot of playing time. And Boone is the same way. So even though those guys were lower down on the depth chart, they have experience kind of to your point. And I think that's a good thing. And that, that is one of the things that's, that's going to help this unit uh, shine. But when you look at those top three guys, uh, Jay Bateman's got a lot of options, and I think the you, the key thing, depending on what metrics you look at, you know, pro football focus is, is really high on Storm Duck. We know that Storm Duck has, has had injury issues, um, and Mac Brown alluded to that after spring ball because Storm Duck was really limited there. That it's good that you're you're talented and that you're good, but you've got to be available. You've got to be able uh, to play in games. Colin McMichael has done that. You know, he's a guy that's that's played a lot. And then, of course, because Ducks injuries last year, Tony Grimes came in as a basically a high school senior. And while he struggled early, I mean, he, he was dynamite the last couple games of the year. And so you, you've got three good options there. Um, so you like your depth. And, and beyond that, because those three guys are so good, um, you've got options kind of to your point of are they good enough? We want three guys on the field at the same time you know, from that same position group. Um, and that speaks to their talent level uh, and, and the fact that, that Jay Bateman feels like it's not just a matter of having to go too deep. It's like, okay, these may be our best guys in the secondary. Let's see what we can do to get them on the field together. Yeah, there's going to be a competition in training camp to see kind of who starts out at cornerback between those three, Grimes and Michael and Duck. And I think it's a very interesting conversation. We're getting to this with Jason about how to get them on the field at the same time. We'll talk about cornerback uh, nickelbacks in this same podcast closer to the end. There's some mix there, and I think that's where Jason might want to go. How do they get these three guys on the field at the same time? Does UNC want to do that? 
how does that benefit um, UNC? Uh, the floor is yours, Jason. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the good, it's, a, it's a good problem to have mm-hmm. when you have three starters at corner, essentially. And that's what they've got. They've got three guys that are not just starter level, but they're three guys that, that would start at very nearly every other program in the ACC. Uh, you know, you can, you can make a case that, that Duck, at least, a, a, a healthy Duck, would, be, would start at every other program in the ACC. And that's, that's saying something. I mean, you got guys that, that have a, a legit shot of being uh, first-team All-ACC here and more than one guy that could actually have that kind of season. So, you know, it's been a long time since they've had that level of, of cornerback play overall, and let alone more than one guy like that on the roster. So start there. And then the thing is, like you said, you want to get your best 11 on the field at all times as, as often as you can. And if three of those corner, if you've got three corners that are part of your best 11, now the, the trick is how do you, how do you rotate that? Sometimes maybe you want to pull a corner off the field for, for a drive to make sure that he's completely – uh, completely ready for the next drive. You know, maybe you establish some some rotation there, but other things that you can do. I mean, you got some size with these guys. If I'm Jay Bateman, one of the things I'm looking at is not just potentially playing that third guy as as my nickel a, a good bit against, especially against teams that pass a lot, but against certain teams that like to play a little bit bigger personnel but still throw downfield. I'm thinking about maybe you know maybe cross training one or two of those guys at, at one of the safety spots here and there just to see, like, I want to have the flexibility that I can, I can put a four defensive back package out there where you got to remember Trey Morrison, for example, was, uh, was a, was a corner before as well. So, you know, you could potentially put four corners on the field and then be a big personnel package otherwise, and still be able to, to stop the pass. So these are the sorts of things that you that as a coordinator you're starting to look at as a possibility coming into the into the season to say, okay, I want to get these guys on the field as much as I can. It's nice to have insulation in case somebody uh, insurance in case somebody gets hurt, but as they're all healthy, I mean, I want those guys on the field. So you start to try to find ways to maximize that as you know the the pecking order gets developed in terms of who actually starts the game. So I, I think it's a it's a great problem to have, and it's it's one of the most important positions in today's game to be able to, to have elite players at the corner position gives you so much flexibility as a coordinator. And they're, they're, they're getting to where they want to be program wise there. So let's get into that. I actually have a couple more questions about off that um, about how important the cornerback position is now quickly. Let's talk about Johnny t-shirt and giant t-shirt.com inside Carolina's uh, sponsor for these podcasts. Make sure to head to Johnny t-shirt.com and right on Franklin street, use the promo code, found on the inside Carolina message board for 10% off your order. They have some really nice long sleeve t-shirts, the classic t-shirts, of course, all the sweatshirts you need, jerseys for the football season. If you need the UNC stuff for tailgates, for the house, for the home, for the office, for yourself, for friends, family, head to Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Support them and support us by shopping with Johnny T-shirt. And remember to use that 10% off discount code we're gonna have some national ads be right back to talk about cornerbacks with jason and greg on the inside carolina podcast preview podcast cornerbacks okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back, guys. Thanks for staying on. This is the Inside Carolina Podcast. We're talking cornerbacks with Greg and Jason. Jason, I'll touch on a couple of things you said. And, uh, and Greg, hop in here. Uh, how important – I mean, it, feel, it feels like on defense, the most important positions is that, that rush – edge, uh, especially when you talk about NFL, that rush edge, getting to the quarterback, and of course, a guy who can be a lockdown corner. How has that kind of changed the last couple of years, and, and how important is having a guy who can guard a wide receiver one-on-one, especially in what Jay Bateman likes to do with his defense? Well, I, I think the, the main thing, it, so Bill Parcells said back in the 80s that you basically build a defense with great defensive tackles and edge rusher and corners, <laughs> that that's really what you need. And because, because really defense is all about maintaining gaps in the, in the running game and then being able to cover downfield. You have to be able to do those things. I mean, that's, it, it's simple. <laughs> but the problem is that, especially in the modern era, what offenses do is they, they force guys into conflict situations. So, you know, with, the, with guys that run at the quarterback position, with RPO games, things like that, You've got guys that are put into conflict where, they're, where sometimes they're going to they're going to force a guy to be the run support player against a given run look, and then they're going to have a pass concept behind him. So the hard part is if you've got if it, if an offense is trying to make an, a, a defensive player a single defensive player do two things, the best thing that a defense can do is have guys that can essentially reset the numbers in favor of the defense. That's what you're always looking for is can we get numbers back? Because the offense is always seeming to be ahead these days in terms of numbers because of that option stuff. So the, that's where having, you know, uh, we've talked about this before, having a, a defensive lineman or two that can occupy two blockers, that evens the odds. Well, what having an elite corner does is if you've got quality wide receivers that can change the score, I mean, the, the, the fastest way to score is you throw it out to a really fast guy, your Diami Brown, and all of a sudden, 70 yards later, it's a touchdown, and the scoreboard just changed real quick because you got nobody that can actually cover that guy. So now you have to keep the safety over top. And now you've got to worry about, you know, essentially you're having to double team the best, the, the best receiver on the other side. Well, if you've got a lockdown corner that can take out that guy without that extra help, or maybe you can, in certain looks, bring that extra safety into the box, you're regaining numbers. And that's what this is all about. Do you have corners that can force offenses to, first of all, to actually, maybe, maybe we don't want to make these throws against that guy because, you know, Dre Bly traditionally, you know, you don't, you don't throw out there to that guy on these certain looks because it might go back the other way. So now you're forcing the offense to, to take that into account. Or if you've got a guy that you know, that guy's just not going to get beat deep. You know what? Now I can, I can use that safety in all sorts of different ways, and it gives the, the defense so much more flexibility, and it's all about reestablishing those numbers so that now you can commit that extra guy to the run, to the run support, and the offense may think, okay, he's coming up, and we, we've, we've got him because we've got the guy coming right behind him in the conflict zone, but because you're so confident in the corner out there, you're actually having that safety come down and rob that, that area, and now you got to pick. 
or, you know, offenses know that you can do that. So now they're not going to go to that concept and they're going to have to run tradi more traditional stuff, which you can stop more easily with, with the players that you have. So that's where that stuff really changes things is that you're taking away the matchup advantages that offenses get in terms of personnel and in terms of, of numbers to basically get it to where you can start to, uh, to get some advantages as a defense and get some stops and get the ball back to your offense that can do all those things to other defenses. Greg, how does UNC's personnel and, and players kind of align with that thought and how they're getting to that point where they can lock down um, on the outside? Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. And to illustrate Jason's point right there, I mean, North Carolina fans, just look at what De'Ami Brown did the last two years. Um, when he is a guy that is so fast and is so good in 50-50 ball situations, I mean, good luck putting just one cornerback on him. Uh, you, you really had to use a safety. So when you've got basically two guys having to cover one wide receiver in a vertical route, uh, you're really limited what you can do the rest of the field. Uh, I think the interesting thing for, for North Carolina is because they have three guys, and you know, Colin McMichaels, uh, you know, probably arguably the, the fastest guy on the team. I'm sure Choffrey Brown would, would argue with that a little bit. Um, they really like what McMichael can do speed-wise. Uh, Grimes has good length. Storm's kind of an all-around guy. So, as Jason has said, all three of those guys are high-end defenders. And I think what's really interesting is if you look at what Jay Bateman has done over the years, um, he likes to get pressure off the edges from the cornerbacks. I mean, they had 13 quarterback pressures from cornerbacks last year. I think Tony Grimes even had a sack. Um, and so that's where you get into the inter interesting conversation about how do you get all three on the field at the same time? Uh, and if one of those guys is in kind of like a, a nickel roll, well, if you want to blitz that corner, then that, that other corner can just slide over and, and cover that, uh, that outside receiver and there not be any drop off. So you can get creative in, in that way. Um, the fact that they have uh, shifted some of the safeties around more so than us seeing the cornerbacks actually slide inside. That was the number one thing I was looking for uh, during spring scrimmages was how much was all three guys on the field at the same time. How much was there actually three cornerbacks, regardless of who it was, on the field at the same time? Um, I think Duck's injury probably played a role in not seeing very much of that, as it seemed more focused on the safeties kind of playing that nickelback position. Uh, but you know, there's so much talk about what Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State with that 3-3-3 and, and how useful it is in kind of promoting confusion. Um, I'm fascinated to see if Jay Bateman installs any of that to make use of those three guys. Could you elaborate on the three-three-three, Jason? Once you dive into that, since that's up your alley, briefly, yeah, so, Jason, briefly. Yeah. So, so the basic idea here is you use three defensive linemen up front that are bigger bodies, and you and what they're doing at Iowa State is they're letting those guys loose a little bit more than the traditional odd front. And then you've got three backers behind him, one of whom is often a, a kind of a, a hybrid safety backer. Uh, and then you've got five defensive backs, but three of them are basically corners. And essentially what you're allowed, what you're doing with those five defensive backs, because with, when you've got four defensive backs and then the ball's on the hash, your, your defensive formation is a little bit unbalanced. When you have five defensive backs, you can kind of, move them around a little bit differently. And, and when you've got that extra speed on the field, you can do some things that are unorthodox. And what they're doing at Iowa state is they'll have, for example, the free safety will be responsible for one of the a gaps and run support. 
Like he's coming from 15 yards off the ball. And as soon as the ball snapped, he's coming up to take that a gap. And you think that a gap's open and now it's closed, but you can do that because you've still got four guys covering in the, in the secondary. There's all sorts of little things that they're doing to cause problems where a defense, what they see in the pre-snap is not what's happening post-snap because you've got so much speed on the field and formationally you're so balanced because you've got three, three and five where everything is actually, it, it's, it, it's, it looks the same to either side for the offense. And there's no, no easy way to identify what's going to happen. And we're definitely going to see some of that from Jay Bateman this year. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much this kind of brings to the question. I mean, how many times are we going to see two safeties and then three corners and a nickel back? I mean, that's, that's essentially a dime package, right? I mean, I guess we'll see that a lot. I don't know how much um, to get into some particular players here. I'll just tell you all what I heard about, you know, Grimes, I think is, is the most intriguing guy because we saw him for you know, four or five games and he became a starter at the end and, and started making some big time plays against Miami and Texas a and I mean, the big thing about him, his body is different. He's got a full season in the strength conditioning program. And if you've seen, if you follow some of the strength conditioning coaches on Instagram, I mean, you see, I mean, he is, he's six one and he's jacked. He's ripped. I mean, he's huge. He's probably, you know, definitely like 10 or 10 or 15 pounds from when he came in. He's football smart. He's confident. And uh, from a source, I mean, he's one of the better players in the ACC already is what someone close to the program told me. And then you add that to, to Duck, who's coming off an injury. So we'll see how much that affects him. But, but he did play a lot in the spring. And Kyle McMichael, who you – know, we don't want to talk about Kyle McMichael too much, but he really didn't make too many mistakes last year. So you have those three guys. I don't know if you all have anything to add about what you all have heard about those three guys um, and what UNC kind of brings at cornerback before we get into, into nickelbacks here. Yeah, I can add it a little bit. Uh, one of the things that uh, that's worth noting is I think each of them brings some different strengths to the table. So McMichael is probably the most physical of the three. He's a guy that that you know he he looks like a safety physically at times. You know he's mm-hmm. he's a big body and yet runs like a corner. So well, you know, what was the player that uh, he was compared to? Drake compared to Greg? Do you remember that? Comparing to like an old running back, he looked like that. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so I mean, he, I, I, if I remember right, Dre might have even compared him to Herschel Walker. Yeah, that was it. Like. That was it. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's that kind of body. I mean, he's, he's a physical specimen. The one thing that, that has kind of driven me a little crazy about him is that there are times where he's actually he, – he, he doesn't always move his feet off the line of scrimmage, and he's let guys get, get vertical on him where then he loses contact and, and he's a guy that's fast enough. He should never, uh, he's fast and physical enough. He should never have a guy get over top of him. And that happened several times last year and it happened a couple of times in a couple times in the spring game, as I recall. And that's really the one weakness that you see with him where if he can get that short up all of a sudden, you know, he's a, he's a complete corner in that respect. Grimes is the guy to me that, like you said, is the most intriguing partly because he's so, uh, He's so loose in his hips and has so much lateral uh, agility and is so sudden as a player that he's a guy that at, at that size could easily slide into that nickel role and be a really good nickel back. I think he probably projects the best as a true coverage nickel of the three if you're going to do that. Whereas if you're going to want to move a guy inside to have a little bit more run support ability, then maybe you use McMichael for that, for that because of the, because of the size and, and just the, the physical, the physical presence that he brings, but you got three guys that can play essentially all of those roles. And, you know, I, I think, 
a healthy duck is the best of the three. So we're going to be, I think we're going to be spoiled getting a chance to see what these three guys look like this year. Greg, anything to add on, on those guys? No, No. I think all that's, I mean, I think all that's fair. And I do think that the fact that, um, I mean, Michael point was solid. We haven't heard a, a lot about Kyler because storm was so fantastic his first year. And then Tony comes in and does the same thing. Uh, but McMichael's has kind of been there steady and solid. And I also think the fact that because North Carolina had so many issues the last two years up front, um, you know, you've got to have a solid front for the cornerbacks to really pop because if they're out there having to defend for too long, I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're going to get beat some. Um, and so I think as we see this defensive line take a step forward, these guys are going to look a lot better on the back end. Uh, some of that's because of improvement, but also just because of not having to have to work as hard for as long is really going to help. Yeah, that's a great wish. point that we that we failed to mention. I mean, the defensive line is expected to take the biggest jump of any group, especially with the pressure on the edge and the pressure down the middle and just more depth. So you're going to see more tip balls and see more quarterbacks being rushed, going to see more errant passes, which is going to result in more turnovers and better play for the cornerbacks. All right, guys, good stuff on cornerbacks. We're going to jump into nickelbacks here quickly. Um, and Nickelback, you have so you have the switch of Don Chapman, who played strictly at safety last season. In the spring, he moved to Nickelback. So you have Don Chapman. You have Trey Morrison, who also is listed as a safety, but can play Nickelback and has played Nickelback. He's kind of the most versatile guy UNC has um, in the secondary. So you have Don Chapman, Trey Morrison. And then one of the corners might play some nickel as well. So you have to work in one of those guys through the depth chart. So you have a, a group of, you know, it could be, a uh, Grimes, Michael Duck, who plays some nickelback at times, and the freshman DeAndre Boykins, who was here in the spring, and he was recruited as a nickel, whereas almost all the guys we just listed were not recruited as a nickel. DeAndre Boykins comes to UNC, a uh, four-star, one of the high, highest recruited guys in that class um, to be a recruited nickel for Jay Bateman and this defense. Um, let's get the role of the nickelback in UNC's defense, Greg, and Jason can pop in after that. And we'll go about personnel and, and go from there. Well, it's pretty much standard for for what any defensive coordinator wants in a nickelback. You, you want a guy that's going to be able to help and, and run support. You want a guy that's going to be able to help defend the, the inside receiver a little bit. Um, they're not going to have the necessarily the, the isolation skills that, that corners are going to have on the outside edge. Uh, there's going to be some support around them. But you, Trey Morrison is a guy that skill set wise, uh, you, you like what he can do because he's tough, he's physical. Problem with Trey is uh, he just doesn't have the size. And I think that's been part of the issue uh, with Trey. And he's had some, had some injuries. That's why they loved a guy like Jacarius Conley because he's such a big, fast, uh, kind of freakish type guy. Uh, but, but I think any, I always kind of go back to the, the great Virginia Tech defenses years ago. You know, Cam Chancellor, that type. That's like the ideal type nickelback um he can come up and really be like a linebacker against the run but also is able to, to cover and that's ideally what you want out of that nickelback position um now that we're in a situation where the spread offense has really picked up and it's been fascinating to see from larry fedora to, to phil longo how both are spreads but both are really different in terms of design uh, but you've got to have guys that can can cover and so I think over the years, you've kind of shifted away from somebody who's so good in run support to really wanting somebody who can really cover. That's probably more of an emphasis now than it has been in the past. And I think that's why you're starting to see some of these, you know, maybe the, the safety types come in and start to work at nickelback. It's also why, as we've already mentioned, 
you know, when you got three good cornerbacks, maybe one of those guys can slide over and, and really help defend against some of these passing attacks that have multiple options. Yeah, it's kind of a unique size, too. I mean, you you want to be able to be quick in the box and be able to move and cover, but you want the physicality for run support. You want to be able to rush the passer at times, especially in what Jay Bateman does. He brings in blitzes from the nickelback and cornerback spot as well. Jason, you looking at what UNC has at nickelback. You're looking at the possibility of, of Trey, of Don moving there, who we saw at safety, and then, of course, the, the cornerbacks, which is playing some, too. How do you see this breaking down? Because I think it's a little confusing right now if you look at that depth chart. Yeah, I think right now it's confusing because there there is some uncertainty at the position just in terms of who's healthy at corner is going to have some influence on this. Because, again, if your three corners are three of your best 11, then when you go nickel, you you might have one of those three corners and you slide inside. And so that that may be one of the reasons why things seem just a little bit um, a little bit uh, uncertain here. I, I think against teams that, that like to run the ball a little bit more and, and you're going to use nickel personnel in, in the, against those teams, but you're not as worried about maybe a, a, a really super quick uh, slot guy, then that's where a guy like Don Chapman really, really can, can offer a lot because he, he can come in and be a reliable tackler. He can run that alley. Well, he can do a lot of the things that you want to do uh, with a big body. So you know, I think Morrison is probably going to play more at the safety position. And so you're probably not going to see him really roll down as a, as a nickel as often. Um, but, you know, he's, he, he can do it because he's done it before. But I think what they want is they want him at safety to basically be an extra coverage guy there that can, that can help cover the back end. So I think the, the main thing is if they're healthy at corner, you're probably going to see three corners on the field. And then if they're not healthy at corner, then, then I think Don Chapman is, is going to get the first crack at it. And, uh, you know, from there, you're going you're gonna to work down the list. But I think that's, that's kind of how, they're, how I'm, I'm seeing it shake out. Yeah, and one thing to add there about Chapman, I think a lot of people forget that while he did not see a lot of action at cornerback on the field, he practiced a lot at cornerback. They were last, last season, they were trying to cross-train him to see exactly where they want him. They, they like his talent and his mentality – but they've, they've had a hard time kind of figuring out exactly where they want him based on you know, the talent around him and talent at the other positions. Um, so the fact that he does have some coverage skills and he's actually already practiced that, uh, I agree, that kind of gives him a leg up at that position. Yeah, and, and he got some flack last year for missed tackles and being out of position, but he was a sophomore and he was still pretty young his first year as a starter. So um, smart kid, physically he has the right size. So I'm interested to see what UNC does. I mean – the, the idea of moving Duck, Grimes, or McMichael to cornerback, to nickelback full time is, is certainly intriguing. I'll see how much they do that. All right, guys, appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Um, this is the cornerbacks position preview on the Inside Carolina podcast. For Greg Barnes, Jason Staples, I'm Ross Martin. Thanks for listening. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.